This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. If someone you cared about, a family member, friend, work colleague, or just someone that was really close to you in some area and some way in your life, if that person came to you and disclosed some heartbreaking news that they had been harassed or maybe even abused by a faith leader, what would your response be towards that person that you knew and that you love and care about? Would you encourage them to keep quiet and maintain this culture of silence regarding abuse and harassment? because maybe the pastor or the faith leader was a well-known, well-loved leader. And that is the question that I really want to put before you today as we get into Voice of Change here on Radio Cable at 7 to 9 a.m. And it's Lauren Jacobs with you. I know that this is a hard question to think about. And maybe even for some of you, you've actually had to face this question. Maybe you had family members coming to you and disclosing abuse. Maybe someone that you care about has gone through this. Or maybe you're that person today. And I want to encourage you to be with me in the reflective conversation we're going to be having today. Because my guest and I are going to be going deeply into the recent investigation and the public report that was released about the Ravi Zacharias sexual abuse scandal that has really shocked the Christian global world. Shocked churches, all kinds of churches, all kinds of denominations, all kinds of people from everywhere and even the world. People who are not even in the Christian communities have been shocked by this recent investigation and public reports. Now, we know that RZIM, the ministry of Ravi Zacharias, has released an open letter of repentance and remorse. We're going to talk about that on the show. But we also know that this investigation, for those who maybe don't know too much about it, has taken place over many, many months. And for a full read of these statements, you can visit the website rzim.org to read the full investigative report. And it's very disturbing and it's very harrowing. But opening the show tonight, I want to share the following quote with you from the International Board of the RZIM Ministry, who themselves said the following. We would like to thank each journalist, advocate and concerned member of the public who brought accusations of sexual misconduct and abuse to our attention. Their efforts have paved the way for us to recognize the truth and to have the opportunity to respond to that truth. And for that... We will always be thankful. And it is precisely for that reason this evening that we will be speaking on this topic because we need a way forward to stop hashtag church two from happening. And if you go and look at hashtag church two on social media, on the Internet, you will find some very, very disturbing realities of women and men and children that have broken their silence about the abuse that's happened. You know what? In the church. This is something we have to talk about because there are also thousands of victims victims of sexual abuse that are sitting with us right here in our pews that have still not broken the silence. And so my guest on the show today is Julianne. She is a survivor of spiritual abuse and she won a lawsuit actually against her former pastor and church in the United States for the abuse that happened. She has been following the Ravi Zacharias allegations for a number of years and she was actually one of the first people that Laurieann Thompson, the first woman that ever spoke out against Ravi Zacharias abuse, well Julianne was the first person that Laurieann went to and spoke up about her abuse. And so she is a needed voice 
voice on this topic, a well-seasoned voice on this topic. She's going to be with me. And so stay with us. And you know what? If you know somebody who needs to hear this today, tell them, get on Radio K Pulpit 7 till 9 a.m. right now. This is going to be a much-needed conversation. Julianne, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today on Voice of Change. It's going to be such a great show. This I know absolutely for sure. And although we're going to be talking about something that some people feel is quite intense or quite heavy, we're going to really be unpacking some important realities today. So firstly, Julianne, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it, Lauren. And I know that for many of the listeners, you know, maybe they have been following the Ravi Zacharias and RZIM ministry, been following the case for a while. But for some people, maybe they're sitting here thinking, well, actually, I have not been following this case. What has been going on regarding Ravi's sexual misconduct? As I said earlier on, you know, just before the song break, and there was this widespread global shaking that has been taking place over the past six months with an investigation that was launched that report just been released and please share with us and set some context for us for those who maybe don't know what we are talking about and for those who want to be a little bit more clued up what has been happening over the past six months i know this goes a lot further back what have we been seeing over the past six months what has been happening Okay, so in May of 2020, um, it, that's when Ravi Zacharias passed away, mm. um, and his wife became the um, executrix of his estate. Um, in September 2020, um, that's when we found out that there were other women um, who were massage therapists at Ravi's spas, and they reported sexual abuse um, that they experienced by him. Mm. Um, this, this news was picked up and then um, broadcast in Christian media as well. So that was kind of, that was pretty alarming. Um, you know, we previously only had heard of Lorianne Thompson mm. and her story in, in 2017. So this is a few years later that this is coming out, even after his death. So in in October of 2020, um, RZIM, I'm trying to say Z because I don't say that <laughs> in the States. Anyway. Z. Um, yeah, we say Z here. Anyway, um, they announced that they were going to um, hire Miller and Martin law firm to do a, a, a an independent of these allegations of sex abuse. So they investigated not only the Lorianne Thompson account, but also those incidences at the spa where the women came forward. And um, let's see, in December of 2020, um, RZIM posted a, the report. I guess they kind of gave a little summary um, saying, boy, this report is is showing some really, really severe, um, uh, you know, it, what they've uncovered is pretty, pretty severe. And so they they were just saying, basically, hold tight. We we are kind of shocked about this. There's more to come. So just hang on, kind of thing. Hmm. Um, and then. And, 
I guess it was this month, full report came out. Okay, that was on February 19th. And that was absolutely shocking. Um, we saw how he used um, spiritual abuse in, in conjunction with, um, you know, getting sexual, taking advantage of these women sexually. So, you know, it they found everything on his, they found in, evidence on his cell phones, um, photos, messages. Um, he had words that were translated into a different language so that he can use to lure women, um, kind of grooming type of techniques. So the that report was just really shocking. Um, and that was what it took for finally for people to start believing that Lorianne Thompson actually was telling the truth way back in 2017. Hmm. You know what I'm thinking, Julianne, the thing, you know, it's so intense when you read the report. I was reading it, you know, in preparing to talk with you today. And I found that I had to actually take regular breaks from reading this mm. full report. And for those of the listeners who actually want to access that full report, it is out there now on the, their ministry website, rzim.org. You can go and you can view the report and read it as exactly as they have released it. You know, this is a serious investigation that was done with serious realities that we are now facing. And it is quite hard to read through. Just like you said, there are all of these cases of these women, there were photos, nude photos, women that are decades younger than Ravi, you know, so many things happening over so many years. Now, you've also mentioned Laurieann Thompson. Now, share a little bit with the listeners for those that don't know, because some people just think that this has just been happening recently. But Ann Thompson came forward, you know, now we would say almost four years ago saying this is what was happening to her. So can you give us some context of what she actually had said initially that no one really paid attention to? And if they had, things could have ended up being a little bit, you know, quite probably a lot different. What happened back in 2017 with her? So Ann Thompson reached out to me um, via two other victim advocates, well-known and very reputable victim advocates that I've worked with um, since I've been doing this work since 2012. Um, so she came to me um, from people who said, this woman, her story is legit. We have vetted her mm. and her story needs to be told. And so I was the first person to break her story publicly on my blog and say that, you know, I just shared her story mm. and that he used his position of power and influence uh, to groom her to send nude photos. Um, it was an ongoing process. Um, she eventually couldn't handle all of that pressure and um, said she was going to tell her husband. And when that happened, um, Robbie sent her suicide emails, you know, threatening e emails saying that he would commit suicide. Um, and please don't tell your husband. Um, so those emails were released on my blog as well. Um, 
for a time. Now, actually, I I, I did take them down um, per her request. Mm. Um, get into you know the 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 reasonings why later um, mm. if you'd like. But anyway, so anyway, this was this was a conversation that I brought public. Um, RZIM dismissed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ravi Zacharias wholeheartedly dismissed it and would, was even angry when people would um, ask him about it. And because of his position and his influence, people just believed him. Mm-hmm. They, cho- they chose to blame the victim, which often happens, um, you know, so she she really got the raw end of the deal, and I knew that was going to happen. That that's what happens um, mm. a lot of times for for victims when they come forward. But you know, slowly but surely, um, more evidence was coming out. Um, you know, not only did he have that, but he also had a, an issue with his um, with him elevating his credentials, his academic credentials, calling himself a doctor. He, he didn't have a, an authentic doctorate degree. Um, it was an honorary, but, you know, they continued to um, identify him with Dr. Zacharias and really didn't make much change there. So there was a there was a transparency issue there as well. And and actually that had been going on for two decades that I know of. <clears throat> but then other situations um, came to light. Um, Shirley Stewart um, was going out, was the girlfriend of Ravi's brother. Mm-hmm. And Ravi encouraged her to, she got pregnant and Ravi encouraged her to get an abortion. So that was another story that was broken on my blog. And again, um, it didn't get a lot of traction. Um, and this is often what happens when you have a person of, influence somebody widely respected in the church community um you know he's he's just been everywhere and he's you know he was so influential in the christian apologetics world um people they they just dismissed it they didn't want to hear it it was it was too much to take in mm-hmm. and so it's just a lot easier to dismiss that lone voice crying in the wilderness saying, look, look what's happening here. Mm-hmm. So the, the, everything was stacked against Lorianne and um, it was really, really difficult for all of these years to watch this man still speak, still you know, engage, still be given a platform um, in prominent places. Um, even the Christian media, um, mm. you know, gave a full, um, not an ad, but a full page um, article allowing him to share his side. But the, the Lorianne Thompson didn't get even a quote. Um, I, I uh, reached out to the reporter on that uh, initial article on Christianity Today, and I said, look, I've been working with Lorianne. Uh, I think at this time there there was a non yes there was a non disclosure agreement yeah. um, in place so Lorianne was unable to say anything but I wasn't I'm not bound to a non disclosure and I said look I can give a, I can give a brief statement um, that you can publish 
And it's based on everything that I have on Lorianne. I had 19 pages of her, um, her wording, you know, her story. In so I, I had everything in my possession. But you know, he went. He used an NDA to silence her. Hmm. And frankly, I don't think NDAs have any place in Christianity. <laughs> that, yeah. You know, that is that. It's, it's contrary to the way Christians should conduct their um, conflicts. Um, you know, that's, you know, to shut down conversation, to hide, to squelch someone from, from communicating is so contrary to what we know as healthy communication yeah. and conflict resolution. Yeah. And, you know, now with everything that we know, with this investigation that has just happened, with this report that has just come out, is Laurieann Thompson still bound by that NDA? You know, she was silenced through that. And as far as I understood it, she is still bound by the NDA. And is that true? Yes, it is. And that's pretty tough and hard because now she can't even, you know, share her story. And mm -hmm. we know that we know exactly what this investigation has revealed what the truth really, really is. And we need to hear her voice as well. And you know what I'm just right. thinking, Julie, and I'm also thinking about a few things that you touched on. And that is that, you know, we see that this investigation was showing that, you know, a lot of staff and the leadership at RZIM, they didn't know about Ravi's sexual misconduct, but they also do admit to in this public statement of repentance, which they've released as well, they actually admit to not holding him accountable and not investigating further when there were strange things that took place. You know, and this makes me think about what does that really tell us about the way in which clergy, you know, and particularly people who are in positions of power, and we're talking in the Christian community, you know, the way that they you know, abuse those positions of power, but also the way that individuals often idolize their leaders, their pastors, their faith leaders, who the speaker, you know, the person of God, the man of God, or whomever it may be. We are to blame for putting those people on a pedestal, for idolizing them. And what does that tell us? What is that teaching us actually about the way in which these positions become abused and how followers allow that abuse to take place? Well, in this case, what you see, it, which is typical in most abuse cases, is you have a leader and then you have a group that surrounds that leader and acts as a buffer and protects that leader from in-flying arrows and darts and whatever um, criticisms and questions. Mm. And they will take um, the heat and um, shelter the leader um, from that kind of questioning and accountability. Um, it becomes a powerful system um, that just keeps that abuse going and doesn't allow for transparency or reasonable um, questioning efforts to take place. So any kind of question is just immediately shut down um, from the get-go. I, I want to mention something. You mentioned um, RZIM's uh, re letter of repentance. Mm. It's really important to note that there are no names signed on that. 
-hmm. from the board. It's an anonymous letter of repentance. And right there, that should sound off alarms. The, The words sounded good to me, but where are the people standing behind that taking responsibility? Mm-hmm. Um, so still, I, um, they're not showing transparency and and in you know in this follow up, mm-hmm. which is really bizarre to me. It, it shows how dysfunctional that organization still is today. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you something, you know, we see now as well as we had R-Z-I-M, R-Z-I-M now, I'm beginning to say Z, <laughs> R-Z-I-M uh, in, you know, the UK, for example, now breaking off from there and renaming their organization and distancing themselves. We see these kind of things happening. Is that really a good answer? Is that the way, you know, that it, it should be if we have organizations that were involved that break off and rename, restructure, is that the way to to deal with a situation like this? Or is there more that needs to be done? Is that the way that we think it should be going? Yeah, I don't, there's a lot of conversation on that um, pro and con. Um, to me, I just think the whole organization needs to shut down and then, um, you know, maybe with a time of reflection, of education, of learning uh, um, what happened. You know, I, I don't think any of these groups connected with RZIM, you know, the sister, you know, hmm. organizations or whatever. Um, I, I just don't think that they need to be in business at this point. Um, there's, there's just too much harm done, has been too much harm done. Um, and they really do need to um, take that time to learn and learn from learn from the survivors and then learn from experts about what they were involved in uh, because, in a sense, they were complicit as well. Um, you know, just carrying on his name but still not raising alarms uh, because, like I said, um, you know, this has been going on since 2017. So, you know, a public since 2017. So all of the other organizations connected, you know, outside of the U.S. had opportunity to, um, you know, challenge the the headquarters, um, you know, in the in the United States and make a stink and say, this is not acceptable to us over here. In the, you know, but so it's a, I don't know, it's kind of a little mm. too late. Um, I'm not feeling very comfortable about that, uh, starting over um, so soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So much to think about, so much to actually consider at this point. Well, you know, we're going to take a really, really short music break. We don't want you to go anywhere. We're going to continue this conversation. We're also going to be asking the question and answering the question of, you know, what now for survivors of this kind of abuse? And maybe you're someone that's listening this evening that needs to hear something like that. And we don't want you to go anywhere. Stay tuned. We will be back with you after this. You're back with me, Lauren Jacobs, on Voice of Change, and I'm joined by Julianne. And we've been discussing, you know, what the recent investigation reports 
the sexual scandal that was happening with Ravi Zacharias, RZIM ministry, a lot about this, you know, abuse of power, as well as, you know what, what now for the survivors? Now, Julianne, that's a big question. I know that you yourself are an incredible survivor of spiritual abuse. A lot of things that you've also spoken about on your blog, so many incredible things that you've been saying for some time. And I would love to ask you today, you know, what now for people who are maybe listening to us today who are wondering about their own abuse journeys? You know, I think a situation like this can sometimes be very triggering for people who are listening and who have maybe been in in a situation where they themselves have been abused or harmed in some way or form by a spiritual leader. And they could be thinking to themselves, well, what now for me? Maybe I haven't broken my silence. Maybe I'm, I'm still in the situation. And, you know, what would you say as someone who has walked that journey as well? What would you say to survivors of this kind of abuse? You know, what, what, what would be on your heart to share tonight? Well, that's such a great question. And, and it's an important one um, because, you know, we all just... Are, are just heartbroken and um, you know we what we've we've experienced trauma at the hands of um, abuse of church leaders and we have to ask ourselves what can we do about this it's got to stop is mm-hmm. can, do we have a part in this to make it stop um, does that mean that I might expose this person publicly is that is that part of my journey um, you know, everybody is going to respond differently for Lorianne. She decided it was worth it. Um, from my perspective, as someone who's been telling um, survivor stories since 2012, um, what I like to do when somebody is just working through this process is I like to have them understand the the pros and the cons of doing this. Of course, we want the abuser to be exposed and to stop this horrific, um, you know, sometimes criminal behavior. Um, But we also have to count the cost. Mm -hmm. And I think I would be doing harm by not sharing that part of the equation as well. So I'm I'm really careful to try to balance this out Mm -hmm. and say, so if you are a survivor, and you want to go public with your story, here are a few things that I would recommend. First of all, make sure that you've done your own work in in healing and get good therapy from specialized therapists who deal with trauma or sexual abuse, whatever your um, particular abuse situation is. And really, you know, come to a healthy place um, because that kind of trauma has a way of eating at us and it can really... Um, influence the way we go about our daily business and, and can be a, a just we could trip over ourselves just because of reactions and responses that we have to that trauma. So it's really important that we are on solid ground and in, in a healthy place um, before we go public. Another thing is I, I've always told survivors, we've, you've got to have a great support system. You have to have a group of people who will rally around you um, as you go, as you move forward publicly, um, because 
the going public, it's it's a permanent deal, especially with mm-hmm. the internet. You leave a permanent footprint that cannot be removed. It's, you know, once you make that decision, it's done. Uh, for example, when I posted those suicide emails and then Lorian asked me to remove them, guess what? People had already taken screenshots and mm-hmm. they um, they still were being spread around and, and used from that point on. So, you know, even if someone were to ask me to post their st- their mind, um, I might not be able to remove it entirely. I probably won't be able to. So, you know, that's something that really needs to be considered. You're telling your story, you're putting your name on it. Um, it's going to affect you and your family. It could affect your future jobs. It could, you know, you, you have to think the full picture of what it might do for you. And I certainly don't want any survivor to get re-victimized by going public. So it's kind of like this balancing thing. Is it worth it to um, to put up with that, the, the uh, victim blaming, the mm-hmm. shaming online from public people uh, who are just going to lash out at you because you're, you're um, speaking badly about their hero of faith? Or, you know, it, it's, just, it's just a challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and those are all considerations that survivors deal with. Um, one good thing about today is that these stories are becoming more public. And the groups that I network with, we believe survivors. And so we will rally around survivors and, and support them on social media. For example, on Twitter, uh, we will elevate that survivor and and try to get that story out and we will support with words and encouragement so that's that's really great and something that's kind of new probably within the last decade since mm. um, you know you're able to use social media but keep in mind um, when I'm thinking about Lori Ann Thompson and the amount of art- amount of articles that have come out they're horrific comments. Uh, oh, just so shaming and re-victimizing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by making sure that you have kind of support network mm-hmm. around you and that you're in a safe place yourself emotionally and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to know as well that to speak to the right person, maybe you don't want to go public yet, but you want to, you know, have this burden on your heart. And sometimes we go to like the church, you know, and there's a church counselor and we can break our silence to that individual and that might not be the right person. So isn't it important to consider who we break our silence to when we first want to speak those words of truth that come from us? Oh, absolutely. That is such a good point. And you, I think I would just you know, really recommend going to somebody who has a already proven, established record of acknowledging abuse and um, being a victim advocate themselves mm-hmm. um, before you go. Because, you know, to go to a cl- clergy, you know, somebody in church leadership who doesn't understand it's, it's devastating. It is absolutely devastating. Uh, it, you know, it's re-traumatizing. So yes, absolutely. Check out that person uh, before you disclose and make sure that they're a safe person for you. Um, and look at their actions. See where mm-hmm. they stand on issues like this. Hmm. And I Such wanted- a good point, Lauren. 
Thank you, Julian. You know, it's so important for us to be having this conversation. I'm so grateful for your grace to have this conversation this evening because I think that, you know, the church in general has often been part of secondary victimization. And that's not just the church building that we go to, you know, it's Christian media and it's social media and it's Christians in general, which has been hard to see as well when we consider the reports that have been released about Ravi, about what's been happening, to see sometimes people's responses to that has actually been quite devastating. You know, I'm not one of the victims or survivors, but I can only imagine how difficult it must be to sit and to hear and read and see some of the comments that people have been making about you know, the victims that have been so badly harmed by the situation, you know, what do we need to keep in mind actually when this happens, when a situation like this happens, what is it that people actually are doing when they are being so mean, I would use the word mean, it's quite a nice word towards, you know, victims, what, what do we need to keep in mind? What can we actually learn from this as the church, the global church? Well, it's interesting when I look at the responses from church leaders, you, you hear um, a quick response. Here's what, here are the lessons we've learned from Robbie. And I already know from that person that they're not a safe person because I've been watching them for years, but yet they've already come up with their own, you know, lessons learned about the Robbie Zacharias case. They've been rejecting, um, survivor stories for years, but they think they have lessons learned? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've got to listen to survivors. They are the experts. They are the ones who can teach us what went wrong and what the church needs to do better. Um, But see, so often these church leaders get on their high horse and think that they have the answers. They don't. They don't have the answers if they haven't experienced it. Um, I, it just it, that really makes me upset. <laughs> mm. You know, it really does because there are so many church leaders who, you know, have. Um, they just put out these new um, articles. This is what we've learned. Well, no, you haven't learned. You have not gone through that experience. You don't have any experts. Um, that you've been speaking with, you haven't even talked to the survivor. So I I just want to say, please stop. Mm. (laughs) Um, We need to listen to, again, the survivors, but we also need to listen to those who have done the work and understand about power and control and um, how actually another part of this is how women's voices have been squelched um, for years. Um, so that's another piece of this that might be important to discuss as well. Hmm. You know, how are women in the church viewed? Are they viewed with respect as equal image bearers of Christ? Are they, are they viewed as ones who tell the truth? Are they viewed as ones who deceive, uh, who are temptresses? That's often a message that we get from some um, theology or some teachings And so consequently, I think that also plays into the part of why women aren't believed. Hmm. 
Yes, absolutely. This is so interesting. I actually had uh, a young woman reach out to me just recently asking me about, you know, just exactly what you were talking about now, how women are viewed in scripture. And she was saying Mm. why throughout the book of Proverbs is, you know, men warned against women, you know, that women are going to deceive you and tempt you and, you know, make you commit all these bad things. And she was really struggling with that. And I think it's something that we need to unpack and talk about more, just like you shared now. And she was really just questioning that. And I think, you know, it's good to have those questions. You know, Julianne, I want to ask you in closing from, from you, what would be your hope for these women that have survived what has happened to them with regards to Ravi, with regards to things that we now know took place? There's a lot of women that have come forward and shared their stories, but maybe there's many more that haven't. So now, what would be your hope for these survivors? What would be you know, a message that you could give them if you could give it to them? What would be your hope and message to them today? Well, first of all, you are not alone. Um, we, we know that there are many women who are harmed by him, but I, I think I'm gonna bring this out in general. If you are a survivor in general, there are a lot of survivors out there. And what I see some, um, be something beautiful going on in uh, social media is survivors connecting with other survivors and just uh, kind of holding hands with each other as they journey through their recovery process. I think there's some hope in that. And I think uh, women are, are gaining their voices and learning that they have a voice when they are walking hand in hand with other survivors. It's a really beautiful thing. Um, you can recover from this. There is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And there's a lot of survivors who are wanting to join with you and help you in that process. Thank you so much, Julianne. I want to say thank you so much for your time today, for being with us, but also not only for your time, for your incredible wisdom that you have shared with us today, for your grace, for the message that you have for survivors. And I want to just say thank you. And may, you know, God just richly bless you as you continue to do the all important work that you've been doing for such a long time and for the amazing work that you've been doing on your blog as well, just raising awareness, sounding the alarm, giving us a lot to think and talk about. And so thank you so much. And again, thank you and take care. May you be super, super blessed. And also, I wanted to ask you if there's any maybe places that you can recommend. Maybe someone's listening today saying, well, you know what? I am a survivor or I'm a victim. I want to connect with someone on social media or I want to, you know, connect with some of those groups that Julianne was talking about. Are there any, you know, places or groups or or something on social media that people can jump onto if they really, really wanted to just connect with other survivors? You know, right off the uh, right off the bat, my mind is going blank. But anybody mm-hmm. can feel free to reach out to me. My Twitter handle is called Defend the Sheep. Um, send me a private note or just tag me. Um, you can reach me at my blog, Spiritual Sounding Board. Um, I'm accessible on social media, um, and I'm happy to you know refer or just. Whatever, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm happy to help in any way I can. 
Awesome. Julianne, thank you so much for being here today. May you be super, super blessed. Take care and God bless. Thank you, Lauren. I want to thank Julianne for being with me on Voice of Change tonight, for her grace and for her commitment to elevating and raising the voices of victims, for elevating and raising her own voice, and for speaking truth to us today, and for encouraging us to do the same. And I also want to say to the victims of sexual abuse who are listening this evening, I want you to know that what you have experienced was absolutely wrong. And there are people who will support you and who do believe you. And in this moment, I want you to know that it is okay to speak your truth. Even if your abuse has happened, years ago even if it was decades ago it does not matter what does matter is the weight of the pain and if you're still bearing that burden inside of you it is truly okay to speak your truth and it is truly okay to speak up find that safe space and those safe people with which you can share absolutely what is sitting inside of your heart and then i also want to say to those listening who follow those who follow leaders who follow pastors who follow you know good spiritual leaders we get good spiritual leaders too and we get bad spiritual leaders or we get flawed spiritual leaders we need to learn to follow well and that means that leaders are not to be idolized they're not to be put on a pedestal they're not to be above accountability and truth we need to learn to follow well and that means not arrogantly holding our leaders accountable but holding them accountable through God's spirit, through his word, and through the promises that they've made to us as they lead us. And the staffers at RZIM said that they were encouraged, this is in the report as well, they were encouraged to voice their struggles with their faith and their struggles with Jesus, but they could not and would not voice any of the struggles and doubts that they had about their leader, Ravi Zacharias. We have to learn to follow well, and that is not following well. We can't be encouraged to voice our struggles about God, but to not be able to voice our struggles or our doubts about the leader that we serve or the leader that we follow. So we need to be people that actually follow well, and we need to learn what that means. I want to also say to those who have been devastated and heartbroken at this news, those of you who are listening today who have gleaned from Ravi's sermons, from his messages, I want you to know there is still merit in what you have learned and what you have received from God personally. I know that a lot of people have been devastated by this news and have wondered, what does this mean for their faith? What does this mean for their spirituality? I want you to know that Jesus meets us where we are. If he met you through a sermon that Ravi you know, preached, then God still met you. When you were saved on that day of first salvation, when you went forward and there was an altar call and you were told to pray a specific prayer, you met your Messiah. It wasn't about the pastor standing up on the stage and that was why you came to salvation. No. That person was just obedient to preach that word at that time. But you responded to the Holy Spirit, which led you to the person of Christ. And that is real. So I want you to know that it's because of your love for him, your Messiah, and his love for you, that he responds. So I want you to know that that's real. And just because you had experiences with God that were real, but it came through Ravi sermons, don't worry about that. Just take courage and know that it is God who responds to our hearts. And so go before him even at this time and and share with him what's happening on your heart. And again, to all the victims, to all the survivors, we honor you tonight. We believe your stories. Thank you for those of you who have spoken up and we encourage you to 
you know what continue to be that voice because we need the voice of our victims and our survivors today and so thank you for being with me on voice of change it's lauren jacob signing out but i hope that you have a really really great evening here on radio cape pulpit and tc is coming up later with the yellow mic you don't want to miss it see you next week this insert was brought to you by radio cape pulpit on 729 a.m Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za